Welcome to another episode of my RPG podcast. Today's returning guest, Trainer Jody, and our topic is going to be a serious one. There's going to be a content warning before we get into the crux of the conversation, but it's going to revolve around the depiction of mental health in RPGs. Jody opens up about some of his kind of past and some of the depictions he's seen online or in actual plays, and then talks about whether we should depict mental health in RPGs and what the correct way to go about it is. I think this is an important conversation, and I hope you learned something. of my RPG podcast. Today's guest is a return guest. It's our good friend, Trainer Jody. Jody, will you please introduce yourself? Hi, uh, my name is Jody Trainer Jody. Uh, I do D&D type th- th- things uh, on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Jody Trainer Jody. Uh, I stream D&D. Uh, I do stuff for uh, the Zelda universe. Uh, a lot of stuff involving uh, RPGs in general. And... Um, yeah, that's me. And for those who are constant fans of the My RPG podcast, and for those who are new, a fun little bit of trivia. Jody was the very first episode, the very first guest. So we've come quite a long way since that a couple of years or so ago. Um, and I think we can kind of start with that because, Jody, since we last spoke, we've seen this explosion. Not that there wasn't already an explosion in interest in RPGs and uh, D&D in particular in the past few years, but the kind of main topic that you and I brought up when we first had our chat was Critical Role. And as of this recording, Critical Role has just finished its first of two or potentially more seasons of their animated series, as well as all the comic books that have been released, as well as all the RPG materials now that are manifesting left and right with various Twitch shows now becoming more mainstream and stuff like that. What are your thoughts, man? What are you thinking about all this? Are you consuming any of it? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, the uh, Legend of Vox Machina, the, the animated series, was absolutely brilliant. Um, my my favorite aspect of it was I I have been a critter since day one. In fact, Critical Role started the day after my birthday that year. I think it started on March tenth or March eleventh, and my birthday is the tenth. Um, so uh, for me, it was like, oh, this is my little birthday present from Geek and Sundry, who knows nothing about me, but um, and yeah, I remember like uh, uh, like slight spoiler alert if you're not haven't watched the Legend of a Vox Machina, but like the scene where Scanlan goes Triceratops without giving too much away. I watched that live. Uh, and that happened over and over and over again uh, after the first two episodes. Um, and uh, that it was just so cool to go, wow. So this is how they decided to translate what I saw live to, 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 to uh, this animated uh, version of it, which is a completely different form of storytelling. And so that has been, it's been really cool to see how two very, very, very different forms of storytelling, uh, kind of translate into each other. And then, yeah, I mean, D and D is, is 
D&D is not only bigger th- 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 than it has ever been. Um, Hasbro, who owns Wizards of the Kooka Coast, for the first time ever actually mentioned Dungeons of Dragons on one of their quarterly calls because D&D was making enough money to actually show up. Like, generally, the reason Hasbro bought Wizards of the Coast was for Magic the Giga Gathering, because that makes more money than anything. Um, and yeah, D&D has been doing so well that it's not Magic the Gathering yet, but, like, it's it's doing phenomenally well. And it's bringing up uh, other things as well. Like, there there has been an RPG renaissance in the past few years where, um, you know, L.A. by Night became really, really big, and we started seeing... Um, uh, tons of by night shows everywhere. There was Seattle by night. There's LA by night. I think there was a Chicago by night. Like you, Atlanta. Don't Atlanta forget Atlanta by night. Yeah. Um, so World of Darkness is starting to 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 see uh, a research, or at least Vampire the Masquerade. I would love to see more World of Darkness stuff. She's showing up. I'm a huge fan of Mage of the Ascension. Uh, Mage the SS Ascension because um, that's a cool setting. Um, uh, I mean, Pathfinder is, Pathfinder is always Pathfinder. And, you know, if you really want to get a lot of, you know, clicks on Twitter, you can just talk about how Pathfinder is real D&D uh, and how D&D 5th Edition has destroyed RPGs uh, as a whole, as you do when you're a Pathfinder fan. Um, I'm kidding. Pathfinder fans are lovely. Please don't attack me. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, just you're, you're, you're seeing all of these... RPGs just coming out of the woodwork and they're actually being given a chance to live. Um, a lot of like indie RPGs didn't really exist in the nineties and early two thousands. Like they, they were there, but they, they couldn't spread out. They, they couldn't exist for very long because they wouldn't make any money. And now like the avatar RPG uh, is coming out pretty soon here. Dune has a new RPG that just came out. It's phenomenal. Stargate has an RPG that, 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 uh, came out, uh, last fall, I think it is, and is a, a great thing. Like, none of this stuff could happen if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, the king of RPGs has gotten so big and has created such a, a large market that didn't exist. You know, the idea of a rising tide, uh, raises all ships really is true in this case, so. Yeah, and we're back in that sort of moment in time to where, you know, there's a D&D movie coming out soon uh, with, you know, Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez. There's apparently now going to be a greenlit production of a D&D uh, TV series slash stream series, actually from the director of uh, the Netflix movie Red Notice, which, funny enough, I spent two months on that film set. Now the NDAs are over, so I, I worked on that show. Uh, sorry, that movie. Uh, stood in for that weird Ryan Reynolds guy for a little while, which is a, a story for another time, right? But yeah, R- R- Ross and Thor, uh, Rossin, who's the director of that, is going to be doing the D and D TV series, and like with all the kind of um, crazy stuff happening on the media side, this is to me the way I kind of look at it from a, from my perspective is this is the kind of maturation of the fandom of this. Um, of this renaissance. I know obviously D&D and RPGs in general have been around for over you know 40 years or so, but with this kind of new resurgence, there was that initial what I, what I call wave of just general holy crap, 
we're happy that people are referencing this thing on you know Stranger Things when because it's retro and nostalgic and cool and fifth edition comes out and people are liking it and then this weird thing called you know live streaming RPGs which wasn't technically started with Critical Role but really blew up with Critical Role uh, and then the associated uh, se- series that came out after that are happening and now we're starting to try to pivot and transition into like okay. People know what D&D or RPGs are. People have an understanding of what we're working with here. Let's now kind of fine-tune our experience and either go into a system we like, which fits maybe our genre of the storytelling we're trying to do, um, other than just the big monolith of D&D, or what if we still want to play D&D, but there's things that are problematic or things that we don't like. And that's like you kind of slightly alluded to. Uh, on the Twitter and on the TTRPG space is kind of becoming one of the biggest topics of conversation. I'm sure um, you've at least had some touch with this, if not heard about this tangentially, right? Uh, d- definitely. We're, we're, we're starting to see, um, we're, 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 we're starting to see uh, a lot of people kind of looking at not just, you know, D and D as a whole, uh, or RPGs as a whole, but now they're starting to go through certain things with a fine tooth comb. And we're, I mean, D and D has gone through its growing pains since its inception. I mean, the satanic panic of the late eighties, uh, uh, early nineties, and them kind of having to deal with the, 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 that stuff and, and that, and we've seen it a little bit in, um, some other RPGs like Warhammer 40k, uh, had some issues where people were talking about, you know what? This stuff in here is, is, is really kind of problematic. Um, uh, but over the past, I want to say probably the past years when I've noticed it the most is when people are now really starting to kind of jump into, okay, yeah, I understand that this has existed for a very long time, but maybe these aspects of it aren't the greatest idea. Um, and you know what, maybe, maybe we can start adding more things than just, you know, Lord of the Rings, but silly because we're not professional fantasy authors and we like dick jokes. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's been, it's been really interesting to see the things that, uh, I guess I, I hate to use this word, um, simply because it has a very negative connotation with me, but it's, it's been interesting to see the things that activists have kind of clung on to as, okay, this is the thing we're going to, to, to fix now because it is, it is something that needs fixing. Um, and the things that activists have kind of just left alone is, you know what, we're, we're really not going to touch that right now. Um, which is one of the reasons why uh, I actually, uh, approached you about, you know, coming back on the show, uh, just so I could talk about something that I feel has really not just fallen to the wayside as far as, okay, these are problematic things that need to be fixed, uh, but has just almost, it almost feels like an active ignorance of some of the damaging tropes that have been, uh, uh, associated with it, um, as all this growing has been going on. Um, and that subject is, is just mental illness and, uh, it's portrayal, uh, everywhere to be blah, blunt, but specifically mental illness is starting to show up in RPGs in general and in D and D, um, pretty often and dropping the ball doesn't begin to describe a lot of the things that I 
have seen. So Jody, it's, it's really vital in situations like this for me, uh, obviously being a host and you also understand this kind of responsibility as well, being somebody who hosts and does live play, uh, D D and, uh, other systems, obviously the Zelda realms, of the wild, uh, and things like that is to kind of tell my, my audience kind of what they're getting into here. So, you know, this is going to be probably some serious conversation. Uh, but I would hope that by listening to this podcast or somebody's open to this. So, um, Jody, would you like to kind of lead us into kind of your experience, your ties with understanding mental, Ill, uh, health and mental illness, and then kind of what you've seen good or bad. Uh, absolutely. Uh, mm, try that one more, one more time. Ab- ab- absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to kind of start off uh, by mentioning uh, a content warning before I go into my history. I have had some very bad experiences in my life. I'm going to talk very briefly about them, but they do involve uh, uh, topics like sexual abuse uh, and uh, abuse in general. Um, and, um, self-harm and things like that. So if those are topics that you don't feel you can handle right now, feel free to skip over, uh, the next few minutes of the, 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 this, um, one thing I always like to mention when I make a content warning little like that is if you understand the places that are going to cause you problems, um, you hear content warning and you know, okay, I know that this particular thing is going to trigger my anxiety or my panic disorder or something like that. Never, ever think that you are somehow weaker or that there's something wrong with you because you know where your limits are. The idea that you know where your limits are and you can uh, make the decisions that are going to be better for you mentally uh, is such an incredible strength and something that a lot of people don't have. So never assume when you have to go, you know what, this isn't for me. I need to take a step away from that, that you're doing anything other than being an incredibly strong, amazing, confident person. Because it's really, really easy um, for those of us that struggle with mental illness to always consider every time it comes up that, something about us is wrong or that we're broken or anything. Um, knowing your limits is a strength and you should be proud of it. So sorry for going a little bit nuts on that, but it's something important. Um, no, you're totally fine. And if I haven't already, I've, I will insert in the editing post editing, you know, a marker. So people understand when we'll kind of get off the topic or finish the topic. So if they do want to just enjoy the rest of the uh, episode, they can totally do that freely. Cool. Uh, so, um, my personal history with my mental illness, and one of the reasons why it's so important to, to, to me, uh, when I was very, very, very young, like somewhere between like three and five, uh, my, uh, uncle, uh, sexually abused me. He's currently incarcerated. Um, I have absolutely no idea what he did to me. Um, I can remember what I believe were the events little leading up to it, but, in my memory, it's basically a cut to black at that point. I have absolutely no memory of, of what happened, but I react extremely uh, badly when certain subjects come up, which is how my therapist and I, or my multiple therapists and I, were able to kind of piece together that something most definitely did, did happen, and I 
have significant lasting damage from it. And it was something that I didn't discover until I was in my mid-twenties. I lived for close to 20 years with uh, undiagnosed PTSD, um, uh, undiagnosed uh, depression and anxiety, uh, and had no idea uh, until one day I, um, when I was 19, I was in college and I was doing some uh, homework and uh, what felt like 15 minutes passed and in all actuality, six hours had passed and I had no memory of most of those six hours. Um, went to my doctor, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety and from then on, um, more and more things started k- 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 coming to life. Um, officially now, my diagnoses are I have major depressive disorder, chronic, generalized anxiety disorder, chronic, um, post-traumatic stress disorder uh, with dissociative tendencies, um, panic disorder with agoraphobia, social anxiety uh, disorder, uh, and conversion disorder. Um, I personally uh, have been uh, committed to a psychiatric ward, um, which was probably one of the worst experiences of my life. Um, I technically was voluntarily committed, uh, but I was told point blank by my therapist, um, who was absolutely uh, doing what she felt was right, and I continued seeing her for over a year after this incident, um, but, uh, I was, I was told by her, well, you can check yourself involuntarily or I can call the police and we can check you, uh, in involuntarily. She was very worried that I was going to hurt myself because of my mental state. Um, while I was there, I told the doctor I didn't want to be on meds because meds don't work on me. Um, he t- t- told me point blank, if I don't take meds, then everyone's going to think that I'm lying. Um, and that I don't really have any mental illnesses, um, which, uh, for anyone wondering, that is an abuse tactic uh, that I didn't recognize at the time. They put me on one of the lowest doses of one of the mildest um, uh, SSRIs you can be on, uh, fluoxetine, which I can't remember what the name brand is anymore. Uh, and uh, had I continued for a few more days uh, on uh, the medication that this doctor Giga gave me, I would be dead because I had uh, an extremely bad reaction called serotonin syndrome or serotonin to the toxicity, uh, which means anything that messes with serotonin levels will kill me. Um, so yeah, um, throughout my life from when I was diagnosed at 19 and I had to go to the disabilities office to try and get accommodations all the way through missing out on promote uh, promotions and things like that at work uh, because uh, I had anxiety and they felt that a manager shouldn't have anxiety, uh, which is illegal um, all the way to uh, the stuff I'm, I'm seeing now. Um, mental illness has been a huge, huge part of my little uh, life. I've done an extensive amount of research myself um, due to the fact that things that are supposed to work 
for people that suffer with mental illnesses don't work on me. So I've had to educate myself on uh, pharmacology. Uh, I, I've had to learn about various mental illnesses uh, and their signs into the things like that. And uh, um, my, my mother actually has a master's degree in um, psychology. Uh, and so I was able to get a bunch of her textbooks to be able to uh, expand my knowledge as much as I can. I am in no way uh, a doctor, a professional, uh, or, or someone that I would consider uh, being able to give advice about how to uh, deal with your own mental illness. It's always best done by, by, by uh, a professional, a licensed professional. Um, but I know more than most. Um, and it has really opened my eyes to, to, to just how little uh, society at large cares about the m -m -m mentally ill uh, and how often we're used uh, as the butt of jokes, uh, as sources of fear. Um, and uh, it, it really is uh, a bad thing to have happen. And now I'm starting to, 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 to see that in... Um, uh, in D and D, which was, you know, one of my safe places, um, again, a term I hate to use, but you know, the D and D community and, and, you know, the nerd community as a whole was my place where I could go and I could relax and I could, you know, talk to people and, 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 and feel like I didn't have to hide. And then I started talking about mental illness and things like that. And it was, it was amazing how quickly, uh, things started changing very, very rapidly. So. So with the, um, like I said, the maturation of the RPG community, we now have to be a little more, I think, critical of some of the uh, approaches we make and the character choices we create. Mm-hmm. I can't, um, I, and I don't want to go into specifics about anyone's stream or anybody's game. That's not my job. But I know, in light of recent things you've seen, mm -hmm. it's uh, there, there. There was this uh, this call you gave me, this text you sent about wanting to talk. Mm -hmm. So, do you want to go into detail about that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, something that's started to become a little bit more, more popular with the idea of representation um, has been uh, adding mental illnesses to RPG characters um, as like character traits um, to make them, you know, more, uh, more complex characters and the things like that. Um, and again, I'm, I'm not going to go into any specifics because the, the purpose uh, of this is not to call out a specific creator or group of creators and say what you're doing is wrong. It's to get people to kind of realize what is going on, because I don't think we can fix something until we're aware that there's a problem. And right now, I think a lot of people are patting themselves on the back going, look what we did. We did such a good job. Look, we're, we're giving representation to people that didn't have it before. And it's not. Um, mental illness isn't a character trait. 
mental illness is a struggle that uh, you have to deal with for the entirety of your little life. It doesn't go away. You don't get quote unquote cured. Um, you learn to live with it. Uh, and everybody's experience is incredibly unique and personalized. Something as simple as um, uh, the DSM-5. Uh, if you're not familiar with psychology in general, um, there is a book called the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of something. Um, I can't remember what the, the end of it is called, but uh, it's um, uh, shorthand uh, is uh, it's called the DSM. Uh, and they are currently on its fifth iteration. And what it's used for uh, is when uh, a psychiatrist or a psychologist, any anyone related to the medical field, specifically if you're dealing with insurance, um, has to use this book and has to uh, basically diagnose you by what is in the DSM. Um, so every mental illness, quote unquote, that exists, quote unquote, is listed somewhere in the DSM-5, the ones that are accepted right now. And they all have little codes that they use for billing. That's one of the reasons it exists. Even within the DSM, which is designed to be very analytical and very much something that is designed just so you can pinpoint and put a name on things, um, something as simple, um, well, not simple, but something is as studied um, as much as something like schizophrenia uh, is a remarkably well-known word. A lot of people have heard the word schizophrenia, schizophrenic, uh, schizo. Uh, the word has, has been in nomenclature since at least the 90s, maybe earlier. Um, I know growing up, I heard the, the term all the time just as a kind of term for someone that was crazy. Schizophrenia is a very specific uh, disorder. Um, and there are a bunch of other disorders that have skits or schizo in them, schizoaffective disorder. There's so many different versions of it, and every single one of them has a massive list of symptoms, and nobody has the exact same symptoms, the exact same severity, or anything like that. Being a psychiatrist versus a psychologist is a remarkably difficult job to do, because you have to be able to sit there and go, okay... Well, you have these symptoms which fit under this disorder, but they might fit under this disorder as well. And they have to use an insane amount of knowledge and experience to be able to figure out what it is that's affecting you. So taking that back to, to, to RPGs and to the things like that, treating something as complex and unique as a mental illness, as a quirky character trait, first of all, isn't possible because it's such a personalized thing. Second of all, is unbelievably insulting and demeaning to people that actually suffer from these disorders. And for decades, the mentally ill have been used as tropes to further storytelling. I mean, one of the most recognizable tro tropes in horror is the crazy killer. And you see it constantly everywhere. There is a movie that came out called, I think it's called Split, uh, with a brilliant uh, actor. Uh, uh, he plays uh, young Xavier in uh, the uh, 
first class series. I can't remember the actor's name now. Oh, feel free. To <laughs> I got. I think I have to put this in post. Um, That's fine. Yeah. But he's Scottish. I know he's Scottish. It's uh... yeah. Anyway, uh, he plays uh, a character James with McAvoy. multiple person. McAvoy. There we go. James McAvoy. He plays a character uh, with multiple personality disorder, which doesn't exist. Never uh, uh, multiple personality disorder uh, uh, hasn't existed since I think the early two thousands. Uh, the official uh, diagnosis now is called dissociative identity disorder, or DID. Um, and the depiction of multiple personalities or DID, whatever, uh, they want to attempt to call it is a hundred percent fake. It has no, absolutely no reference in reality. And yet it's used constantly. Um, coming out very, very soon is Moon Knight. Moon Knight, the, the character, um, has DID. And again, it is completely fabricated. There's nothing about it that's accurate in any way, shape, or form. And it's better than it used to be because in the uh, 80s or 90s, when Moon Knight first came out, he had multiple personality disorder and he would randomly get taken over by these personalities to, you know, he, and it's, it's not what DID has ever been. And it, what it does when you have these horror films where someone, uh, can be put into another personality or alter or whatever you want to call it. And then they somehow turn into a different person that will commit murder and torture people. All that it, that it does is it creates this sense of fear around people with mental illnesses in general. Um, I myself suffer from dissociation. Um, I, uh, um, the specific dissociation I deal with uh, is derealization and depersonalization, which derealization basically means everything around you feels like it's fake. Um, it is the most bizarre experience in the world. Um, and it's, it's almost, it's, it's really impossible to describe unless you've actually experienced it, but you, you feel like everything around you isn't real. Um, Depersonalization is the exact inverse of that, where the world is real, you're just not real. Um, so the idea that somehow those experiences make me dangerous to other people when I have absolutely no control over them, and it's just my brain's way of dealing with things that I can't mentally handle, um, is, is absolutely horrendous. Like, again, a lot of people think people with PTSD, like if you get PTSD from uh, going to war, people are, are terrified because, you know, what happens if, if he has a flashback and then he, he thinks that, that he's in war and he starts killing people because he thinks that it doesn't happen. That's not how PTSD works. Uh, statistically, um, people with severe mental illnesses uh, are about 10 times more likely to be victims of violence. Uh, than the general population, not perpetrators uh, of it. Um, uh, people with mental illnesses um, are, by an order of magnitude, more likely to be hurt and killed um, in uh, interactions with police. 50% um, of all um, uh, police-involved uh, deaths uh, are of people that have mental illnesses. 
So the idea that we are somehow this scary, terrifying thing that turns into the villain nine times out of ten isn't just insulting, demeaning, and dehumanizing. It's dangerous. And I'm starting to see things like that showing up in RPGs. And I'm, I'm seeing it being done by people that I have the utmost respect for, that I think are trying to do the right thing and are just doing it wrong. Um, and, um, yeah, the other, the other way I've seen it just a swing is, uh, wisdom saves to avoid a PTSD flashback. Oh, my character had a really difficult upbringing. They saw something truly horrific. And so every so often, if I see this particular trigger, um, I have to roll a wisdom saving throw or I lose a turn. I have PTSD. I have uh, traditional PTSD due to what was described before. And that was called complex PTSD, um, which is basically not a single traumatic event, but a... Um, uh, a combination of just uh, uh, abuse for many, many years, eventually giving you uh, the same symptoms as if you had uh, witnessed a single traumatic event. It is just, you know, repeated traumatic events over and over and over again. Um, I get flashbacks every so often um, where I start remembering what happened to me in uh, that event. Um, and... Um, there's no wisdom save to make it go away, and it certainly lasts longer than six seconds. It's something that wipes me out for a day, sometimes multiple days, sometimes a full week, where I'm not able to do anything because I'm recovering from reliving the most traumatic moment of my little life. So, I I did a Twitter thread about this years ago at this point, where I and it was really late at night because that's the only time I feel comfortable enough. To say things. Um, but I did a, a, t a Twitter thread where I went, you know, mental illness isn't a character trait. The idea that a single wisdom save can mean that your panic attack goes away isn't true. I have panic attacks every day. It's part of my panic disorder. Um, I have worked with multiple therapists. Um, multiple brilliant, wonderful th 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 therapists who have done their absolute best to help me and have been absolutely essential to me making it to where I am today. And I have learned so many different techniques for dealing with anxiety and panic and all these other th th things. And with all of my training, with all of my n -n -n knowledge, um, when I get a panic attack, I don't get to make a single save and then go on with my day. Even if the panic attack is short and it only lasts, you know, five or to ten minutes. What a panic attack is, is your fight or flight response kicking in when there's nothing to fight and nothing to run away from. Your body is pumped full of adrenaline. Uh, you become hypervigilant, meaning all of your senses get dialed up. To 11. You hear everything. You see everything. And everything around you becomes a source of danger. And you don't just turn it off and go back to what you're doing. 
your entire world changes into everything around you is going to kill you unless you do everything absolutely correctly. And even once it's over, once the adrenaline has finally worked its way out of your system, once the hypervigilance has gone down, you are exhausted. You feel like you've just run a marathon with an entire army of people trying to kill you in the entire time. And this is coming from someone that has to go through this regularly. I'm used to it. I know what to suspect. And I know how to plan my day around it. Um, for someone that has not had all of uh, the help that I have gotten and has not done all of the research and all the learning that I've done, it is a much more traumatic experience. And it's not easy for me. So the idea of, oh, well, something bad happened to my Kika character, so I'm going to give them PSD, or I'm going to give them anxiety, or I'm going to give them depression, and any time they want to do, to do something, they're going to have to roll a wisdom check or a charisma check in order to do it. It's not how it works. And as much as you think you're giving people a voice that don't have a voice, you're not, because what you're depressed portraying isn't real what you're portraying is a a perversion of what real people have to, to deal with every single day um so in in these situations because you have much more understanding of this than i do um in these situations, what is the right course of uh action to take to properly represent or should we even try to have people who don't deal with mental illness or mental um, health struggles even depict those types of characters? Um, I'm never a b b big believer in the idea that if you haven't personally ex experienced this, then you're not allowed to talk about it. You're not allowed to learn it. You're not allowed to portray it uh, if you're an actor. Um, because if... Uh, all actors and all creators in the world are only ever allowed to write about things that they personally experience and only ever allowed to take roles of things that they have personally experienced. Um, we don't have people creating things anymore. One of the reasons I loved being an, an, an actor was being able to experience things that I had no knowledge of. So I'm not saying, hey, don't don't explore these topics with your, your games. There's actually, I can't even remember the group anymore, but, um, uh, there is a group, uh, that wrote an RPG adventure. I think you can still get it on, um, the DMs guild though. For the life of me, I can't remember what it's called, but this adventure was actually written by, uh, a combination of, of people that, that play D and D and, psychologists and it was specifically designed to uh touch on the topic uh, of um mental illness and and help you to be able to tell uh a mental illness inspired story specifically this, this story was about uh this uh disease that was going through uh the world that i think they referred to as madness or something similar to that because if you're looking at you know, a, a kind of middle ages style society that most fantasy games are written in. Um, they wouldn't call it depression or anxiety. They'd call it madness or something similar to that. 
Um, and um, what happens is you get in contact with this person called a mind mage uh, who's supposed to represent a therapist. And they help you um, to go into your friend who's been afflicted with this madness to go into their mind and kind of fight their inner demons. And I think that is a really interesting way of portraying mental illness, of the struggle that's involved, um, uh, showing kind of the, the things that, that people don't realize uh, about mental illness um, if you've never did a doubt with it. Um, I was talking uh, to a friend recently, and we were we were specifically talking about chronic pain, um, because that very very often people that uh, struggle with chronic pain also struggle with depression and generally with anxiety as well, because depression and anxiety are like best buds, and they don't go anywhere without each other. Um, and um, something as simple as taking a shower for someone with chronic pain is a completely different experience than someone without it. And the same is true about depression. You know, hygiene and things like that are remarkably difficult. Um, without getting into too many details, um, I have problems with showers because my flashbacks happen when I'm in the shower. I've had three or four, um, and I don't know why they're connected to, to, to that. Um, but uh, just the act of taking a shower scares the hell out of me because every time I turn on the water, there's that chance that I get to relive the most horrible day of my life vividly, repeatedly for half an hour to an hour, just over and over and over again. And if you've never experienced that, it's, it's a weird thing to deal with. And so that kind of uh, display of, of um, 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 mental illness where it's not being gamified. It's not that, well, if you make your saving throw, you win against depression. It's depicted as this this very large, um, horrible experience for the person involved. And the entirety of the module is built around the idea of um, helping your friend get through something truly difficult and the idea that this isn't something that they made up they didn't do anything wrong to do this those are all really important things um so in that aspect i think that's a relatively healthy way if you want to bring mental illness into your your, your game going to this module that i wish i could remember what it was called um Anyway, uh, going to a module like this um, or talking with therapists and psychiatrists or psychologists that actually use D&D as a form of therapy because it is something that exists, that's a pretty good way to start if that's a topic you'd like to broach. Um, now, that sounds like a lot of work, and it is. And that's kind of the point. This isn't a topic that should be taken lightly. Um, I'm I, Again, this is not saying that you shouldn't do it or anything like that, but I'm a huge, huge believer in the idea if you gamify it, it diminishes it. Um, recently, um, in Realms of the Wild, which is a, a Zelda-themed RPG 
that I run for uh, Zelda Universe. Um, Don has actually been kind enough to uh, guest star on it years ago now. Uh, we'll have to have you back sometime. Um, but uh, when uh, whenever I start a new RPG, I work one-on-one -on -one with every one of the characters. And one of the players uh, wanted to have part of their backstory to be um, uh, to involve uh, sexual assault uh, and things of that in nature. And um, we talked about it and, and I told her my kind of ground rules of, okay, well, if this is going to be a part of your backstory story, um, there's not going to be any roles that you make to overcome it. Um, we're, we're not going to give you stat boosts or um, stat drains or anything because of your mental illness, because gamifying it, I think, is insulting. If this is something that's going to come up, this is going to be you and me having a conversation before it comes up, and then we are going to go through actually acting out this stuff. Not the bad stuff, but dealing with seeing your accuser again dealing with the kind of panic and fear when uh, a situation that you've tried to hide from everyone comes up and having to deal with how people treat you differently when they find out that you're a victim of assault. I said, we're, we're going to do this, but it's going to be entirely role play. This is, I'm there. You are never going to make a role to deal with any of this because I don't think that is in any way, shape or form uh, an appropriate way to deal with this. Um, and it took four years for us to finally get to a point where we got to her backstory because she was brilliant at steering the players all the way around the world to avoid her backstory. Um, but we did get to it. And for like a month and a half of sessions, maybe even two months, um, we dealt with this story. And I think we did it in as good a way as possible. We didn't sugarcoat it. We had a, a content warning before every uh, episode. Um, and um, it was uh, it was really intense. Uh, and it was uncomfortable, which is what it should be. Uh, mental illness is not supposed to be comfortable, and talking about it shouldn't be comfortable. Um, but her character got to find her own voice in this world and she got to confront her accuser and she got to take her power back and we got to do it with you know her summoning a little shadow lizard uh that's named larry gary and jerry um after uh the character from parks and rec so i mean we didn't have to be super solemn and and scared the entire time and we didn't have to always be talking in the most grave of circumstances we made jokes because that's how i deal with my, 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 my mental illnesses i make i make a lot of jokes i do a lot of self-deprecating humor which isn't the healthiest thing in the whole world but it gets me th th through it um so yeah i mean that th 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 that i think is the best way to deal with it if, if, if you want to have uh, mental illness to be a part of your kick a campaign. It shouldn't be a character trait. 
Uh, it shouldn't be a plus one to your wisdom score uh, or a minus one to your charisma or something like that. It shouldn't involve roles. It shouldn't involve anything that affects the mechanics of the game. It should entirely be this is the story that we're going to tell. And if you're going to tell that story, you better research, talk to people that have actually experienced it, and make a realistic depiction of it. Because there's absolutely nothing worse than going to someone going, look, look at this amazing thing that I've made. I am such a noble person because I have given a voice to the voiceless and the voice that you've given them isn't saying anything that they would ever want to say. Does that make this a sense at all? Yeah, and I think from what I can contribute to this is uh, as a GM or DM, if your player does have mental health or, um, problems or they're suffering through incidents, things like that, and they come to you with playing any character, regardless of whether they're going to play a character with mental health um, conditions or they're just going to play a regular character, but you know that they have that involved in, in their life, I think that the importance of having a conversation with call it a session zero or just having a one-on-one -on -one with that person just to be like, I understand that, you know, you want to play this game. Is there anything that might, uh, you know, trigger or offset, upset you, sorry, um, that I, I need to be aware of? Because if, you know, we are, and, and we've talked about this actually on other um, My RPG podcasts where D&D &D can be therapeutic, but it's not therapy. And we are... Uh, trying to be as sensitive and as honest as we can to the people around us. And one of the best things we can do is, is in advance of any situations that might create tension, conflict, or leave a bad taste in anybody's mouth is to have a candid conversation about what we want to see and what we don't want to see and what we're comfortable with and what kind of pushes the, the, the envelope. So I, I would say to somebody out there, if you're ever jamming, even if you are somebody with mental health and there's something that might trigger you or upset you, because again, for the vast majority of tables, and, and this is kind of one of those things we talk about when I had a conversation with, I believe, Ginny Loveday, who was uh, the Southeast Regional Coordinator for Adventures League, the uh, silent majority is actually homebrew, and which means most people are creating worlds that are kind of made up or um, at least mostly you know user-created, and they're doing this in their homes or online, so right off the bat... You don't have a, you know, necessarily a professional's perspective, or you might not have a curated experience that, you know, if properly published materials or took the time to get the experts and do the editing, that might be, you know, free of those types of problems or issues. So right now you're in a situation to where already you're, you're just trying to make something up. It's so easy to make a mistake. It's so easy to unconsciously step across uh, the line in a lot of situations. So I think candid and, and honest conversation immediately before any first session begins, super important. And uh, go ahead, please. Oh, uh, absolutely. Um, c c communication is by far the most important thing. Um, I had, I actually used to have uh, a picture on my desktop. I have it saved somewhere on my computer somewhere, but um, it's a picture of Eeyore from uh, Winnie the Pooh, and it has this little uh, paragraph on it, which basically says, uh, the greatest thing about Eeyore is he very obviously has depression. And 
nobody ever tells him, hey, stop being so sad. Come be happy. If you're happy, you know, you can hang out with us. Pooh and Piglet and everyone always invite him. They never, they never make it a condition of, well, if you're happy, then you can come with us. But if you're just going to be depressed all the time, then you can stay on your own. No, every single time they see him, hey, you want to come, you want to come play with us? And that is such an important thing uh, as someone that, that deals with the, the, the depression, that depression that stops me from doing the things that I will want to and having to turn down opportunities and the, 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 the things like that. If you have a, a a friend that's struggling with this stuff, treating them like everybody else is probably the greatest gift you can give them. And so talk to them. Like, Don, if we were LARPing instead of just playing a tabletop RPG, and you came up to me one day with your leg in a cast and said, hey, dude, I'm super sorry, but I'm not going to be able to, to play today. I physically am not allowed to walk on this for another week. Um, so I'm super, super sorry, but I'm not going to be able to make it to the game uh, today. In no way would I ever go, dude, seriously? Just, you know, tape it up and let's go. I can't believe you would focus on something as dumb as a cast. Uh, when you're, you're ruining the game for everyone else. Like, you're the paladin. You're the one that's supposed to take the hits. And now I'm going to have to rebalance this entire encounter around it. But I cannot tell you how many times I've had similar conversations. Um, not really in D&D because I'm, I'm a forever DM. So I'm the one that gets to make the choices. But in a lot of other situations, I'm like, you know what? I really can't. Like, well, why? Are you, are you sick? No, it's just. Anxiety is not being nice to me today. Seriously, dude, I can't, I can't understand why that. No, just go. Okay. Well, we'll ask you again next time. It's annoying, but it is the greatest feeling in the world knowing that people are not going to actively avoid you just because you turn them down because you physically can't. Um, and I did also want to mention you, you kind of apologize for a second for using the word trigger. Um, I have a huge problem with the word to the trigger because it is a psychological term that has a very specific meaning. And people use it to mean, well, this upset me. It's not what a trigger is. A trigger causes me to have a flashback or causes me to have a, a panic attack. That is the absolute correct way to use it. And the way that you were using it was correct. Triggers are things that happen uh, are things that can cause people that struggle with mental illnesses to struggle even harder. That is the correct use of the word trigger. An incorrect use of the word trigger is, oh my God, this guy was uh, uh, playing country music and oh, it triggered me so hard. Don't use it that way. It has a specific meaning for a specific purpose and understanding what actually triggers you is an essential part of living with a mental illness. So I applaud you for using it correctly um, and don't feel uh, don't feel that you need to apologize when you're talking about triggering FFFX. Well, you know, um, I just wanted to make sure because I haven't done as not uh, a, a nearly enough study and nearly mm -hmm. enough research on my end. So, again, as a 
GM, DM, or just as a general human being, I don't want to start using terms that I don't completely understand. Uh, so I, I absolutely. Yeah. So I appreciate. It. I was just bringing that up to to, to clear it up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, again, I, I always am appreciative of anybody who comes onto my podcast. But we do have, sometimes have the opportunity to have conversations which are bigger than. Um, general you know hobby enthusiasm or you know here's our thoughts about you know a mechanic or which system is better than uh, another system because um what we do is when we role play i understand we do a lot of power fantasies i understand we do a lot of um getting away from the world right it's a lot of escapism mm -hmm. and i think there's nothing wrong with escapism i think escapism is the actually the state of human beings um you know even since cave drawings just for fun um, but at the same token, everything is based in what we know and what we know is the very real and sometimes very difficult world that we're around. So whenever, uh, we get into these situations, you can't completely ignore the fact that, you know, mental illness is a real thing. Or, you know, when we mm -hmm. speak of race and conflicts between different races and slavery, or when we speak of, you know, all the other um, difficult topics, you know, sexual abuse, all those things. Like, we can't just pretend that that's not a real thing. That that just because we're playing a game, it can't um, have an effect on us outside of when the session ends or you know when we walk away from the characters. So that's something to be conscious of at all times. Absolutely. Um, and to get kind of back to uh, what you're saying, but before about communication. Again, that's, that's what, uh, me and this, this, this player did was when she, uh, literally when she emailed me her backstory in the first paragraph, she went, Hey, I just want to let you know a bit of a content warning. My backstory involves sexual assault and other things like that. Uh, and I actually thanked her. I said, you know what? Thanks. Because that particular day was a really bad day for me. Uh, so I'm not going to be able to read this right now. I'll, I'll read it when I'm in a better state of mind. That is absolutely essential. If, if this is something that either you as a DM or uh, your players want to have in your your game, if, if you want to deal with m m mental illness, talking about it before it comes up in game is absolutely essential. And I would go as far as to say, if you, the DM, are the one that wants to tell the story about mental illness. I probably wouldn't do it. Because. As, as a DM. You. Create the world that they tell their story in. And if you start. Telling their story for them. It takes away some of the agency of your players, which is never a good, a good idea. And then if you also tell their story by adding in things that they don't want to, to, to deal with, not only is that starting to take away some of the, 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 the their agency, um, but it's also um, possibly going to cause them uh, to, to, to distress. And you may be actually causing the very thing that you're trying to shine a little light on. Um, so I would say if, if the players want to do it, have a conversation about it and don't gamify any aspect of it. Uh, if, if you want your story to involve mental illness, everything about the mental illness is entirely made by choices made by the, the player and agreed upon by everyone else there. 
Um, despite the fact that the um, abuse was in only one character's backstory, I had a conversation with the entire group that was playing saying, hey, guys, this stuff is going to come up. This is the story that we want to tell. If this is something that you don't feel you can do, don't worry about it. You don't have to play any sessions. You don't have to do anything like that. I was I was lucky enough that I had prob I not to toot my own horn. I have probably the greatest group of role players ever in the cast of Realms of the World of Wild. Not to say my other groups aren't wonderful, and amazing, um, but I I ask a lot of them, and they always give me so much more. And that was this is especially true in this series that we did where we were dealing with all these really heavy, horrible to the topics. Um, and you're, and you're, you're not wrong in saying how awesome your group is, you know, not, not to also uh, kind of uh, join the bandwagon here, but as somebody who's watched and then been for a small time, a part of that group, you know, for an episode or two, you guys do a miraculous amount of, storytelling that is original yet based in a world that has been around for quite a long time it's obviously somebody else's ip that it's entirely uh you know uh, based off of but done with so much love and care to the ip but then each of your players brings in something new and each of your players then gets to explore and and more than the series does itself because you know the zelda series is still ultimately a you know a game for everybody well, you guys can get a little more mature and you guys can get a little bit deeper with your storytelling, which, you know, says a lot, I think. And the fact you guys have been at this over four years, is that correct? I think it was 2017, right, Jody? Uh, yeah, we're at four, um, four and a half years. Technically, if we count pre-production, we're almost at five years. And that, now. and that's another thing I've, I, I don't ever want people to, um, discredit is the, beauty of working at something that you love and, and going at it and the fruits of the, the, the labor that, that you'll get. I mean, I know very few people who can say that they've had any game they've ever run last that long, let alone a game that you live stream, dealing with all the technical snafus that can happen there. I know I've had my own technical snafus five minutes before I was supposed to be on. Um, I dealing with all the content uh, and the backstories and all the other things that come up scheduling. Oh, also, Let's not forget the mm-hmm. elephant in the room of any RPG is scheduling. Um, yeah. You guys have just been able to do so much stuff and it's not like you're done, but just uh, don't forget to pat your all, everybody there. Don't forget to pat your, yourselves on the back guys and gals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, when I was first approached about realms of the wild, uh, Elias, who is the, uh, who is a mutual friend of ours, um, and is the Twitch director for Zelda Universe. Uh, he'd just gotten, I think he'd just gotten the role and he was trying to build up content for the channel. And from the initial pitch of him going, Hey, Jody, you want to run a Zelda RPG for us? To the fact that I've gotten to work with unbelievably amazing people. Like I, I reached out to Kiri Callaghan because I was such a huge fan of her from Geek and Sundry days and, and watching her and never in a million years did I think she would respond and say yes. And now I have been working with Kiki Kiri for four and a half years and it blows my mind every time she comes to the Giga game. I'm like, 
I get to work with with one of my heroes from the the the, the internet. Um, and uh, I mean, Ilea blows me away every day. Alex blows me away every day. Uh, Elias is Elias. No, Elias is wonderful and amazing. Uh, <laughs> and we, uh, I, I love to to rib him, but uh, uh, it it realms wouldn't exist without a little Elias. And Chax is our newest member, and she has been uh, just uh, an absolute amazing experience. And so, yeah, I mean. I, I think the reason we were able to tell the story that we did around abuse and everything like that was uh, because not only do I have a great group, but everybody in the group was willing to listen and was willing to uh, understand that this was a very serious subject that we were going to take very seriously, but that we also wanted to ensure that the people watching it um, were going to be entertained and also experience something that they hadn't before and get an insight into something that they didn't know about. Um, which I, I, I think is the reason why RPGs offer a way to explore topics that is unique in the world. Um, even compared to uh, uh, acting. Acting, I, th I think, is such an amazing, wonderful p profession, not just for the entertainment aspect of it that everyone thinks of, but the, the art of being an actor and learning how to inha inhabit a character that is nothing like you, learning about experiences you've never had is such an amazing experience. But you're still almost always inhabiting someone else's character. Someone else wrote this for you. And while, yes, you as the actor are creating the character and you're the one they're going to see and your version of that character is the one that's going to show up on stage or on film, wherever you are, you're still using someone else's words for the vast majority of the time. Um, and even if it is something that you have written yourself, you're, you're still using a script. RPGs allow us to explore things in the moment, um, which is such a different experience. And you learn things when you do RPGs and you experience things in the moment that you will never learn, no matter how much study you did to do, no matter how many different books you read, how many different documentaries you watch, experiencing something and having to react to it in the moment, in your own uh, head, uh, is such a unique and wonderful experience, and it can be a very eye-opening experience. And it's one of the reasons why I'm just so adamant about uh, mental illness in RPGs is because Good example. When, when I was in high school, um, I was in band. I was, I was in lots of bands. Um, and one of my directors, um, said this kind of as an offhand comment and then had to kind of explain himself. Uh, and I have used this idea throughout my entire life. Somebody had mentioned, well, practice makes perfect. And he goes, no, perfect practice makes perfect. And we went, huh? Perfect practice makes perfect. 
What do you mean? Okay, let's say you rehearse this scale a hundred times. And the hundredth time you finally get it perfect. Congratulations, you've just learned it wrong. Because you've practiced 99 times doing it wrong. You've only practiced it once doing it right. So once you do it right, then you need to practice it a hundred times. Because perfect practice makes perfect. Bad practice makes you learn it wrong and makes it significantly harder to learn it right because you have to unlearn the bad things that you learned. And that's why I'm so adamant about this in RPGs because playing an RPG, you are going to learn things. They've done studies on it. People that play tabletop RPGs are significantly more empathetic than people that don't. You learn how to feel in an RPG. And this is scientifically backed. So if you learn how to feel wrong, it's going to be significantly more difficult for you to learn how to feel right. And in mental illness, uh, again, the statistics are there. Uh, being mentally ill, the world is not set up for you. Um, you're discriminated against constantly. And generally, the only time they will bring up, and this is true about the disabled community as a whole, the only time they will bring up the disabled community is when bringing it up will somehow benefit able-bodied, uh, neurotypical people. So if you're going to learn about it and experience it in such a unique way that an RPG can do it, it is essential that you learn correctly. It's, it's, it's essential that you learn real things, not tropes. Does that, does that make sense? One thousand percent. And a lot of what you said is very poignant and, uh, it's a hell of a, hell of an episode. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> so Jody, um, as we're wrapping up here, is there anything you'd like to promote or any sort of uh, projects you have coming up? Otherwise, uh, what's the best means for people to get in contact with you and to follow you on all the things you do? Uh, as far as uh, plugging things, uh, my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash to the trainer, Um I started a new series. Uh, when we're recording this, I've, I've done one episode. Whenever this airs, it may be more. Uh, but it's talking about, uh, specifically, uh, uh, the series, uh, is a series I've been doing for years called the D&D Deep Dive. And the specific kind of sub-series is I'm going to be talking about every single class, uh, about their defining features and how you can homebrew subclasses for them. Uh, because I've been dealing a lot with homebrewing recently. I did an entire sub-series on, um, uh, a homebrew where they took all the classes from Final Fantasy XIV and turned them into D&D classes. And I covered every single one of them, all like 400,000. Uh, and it took me like six months. Um, but yeah, so definitely check that out. Even if you never want to homebrew yourself, uh, it is a great resource to be able to look at homebrews and see if they're going to be something you can use in your game or not. Um, and then if you want to follow me, um, I, I post uh, at least two videos a week on my YouTube channel. Um, Twitter tends to be the easiest place to find me. My DMs are currently open. If I ever become super rich and famous, I may change that. But um, uh, tweeting at me, uh, 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 I'm at Trainer Jody on to the Twitter, uh, is a great way to get my attention. 
um, uh, or sending me a message is a, another way that's um, generally uh, pretty decent. Um, otherwise, uh, I also stream uh, D&D. I have two different campaigns uh, uh, on Wednesday nights on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Jody. Um, so you can go there. Uh, you can actually interact with uh, the game itself. I use channel points and you can do stuff like uh, give the players level ones, you know, cast spells on the players to help them out or um, uh, give them healing potions or reroll tokens, stuff like that. Like I like to, you can even create NPCs for the campaign if you want. Um, so yeah. And then obviously every other this is Saturday on twitch.tv slash Zelda Universe to the TV, uh, I run Realms of the Wild, which is our Legend of Zelda Open Legends uh, RPG uh, campaign. And if you like what you're listening, this is obviously the My RPG Podcast, which can be found on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. If you want to speak with me, my personal Twitter is classy underscore Don. That's D O N. The Gmail is myrpgpodcast at gmail.com. Give me your reviews, requests, or any other fun things you want to do. Otherwise, thank you for listening, and I'll see you at the table.